Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. We do honor God, our Father, Jesus, our Savior, the Holy Spirit, our Comforter, our Keeper, and our Guide. Honor the Under Shepherd and First Lady in their absence. I thank God for my help meet, my wife. Amen. My good thing to these wows and to these deacons and to the deaconess and the mothers and to the choir and to all of the ushers in the media ministry, to all my father's children. The scripture says, give honor where honor is due. And because you are all created in the image of God, you all do honor. And so we thank God for all of you that are here this morning. And we're going to get right into our lesson. This morning, as I was praying and fasting about what to share with with you and the Lord brought an old familiar uh, song back to my mind. Uh, When I was growing up, in South Georgia, and my parents would drop me off at my grandfather's, who had a farm in Thomas County. And, and for those young folk who don't know anything about picking peas and squash and breaking okra every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and cropping tobacco and, and hanging it in the barn and all of that, you, you, you don't know what you're missing. But I remember when we would get tired in the pea patch right after, after, after lunch and we'd be returning back to the field to kind of finish up and it'd get hot out there and we'd kind of help each other out by we'd, we'd start singing some songs. and Some of our favorite recording artists back then just happened to be the OJs. OJs, they... They, they, they penned one song that talked about 992 arguments. Amen. They penned another song, Ship Ahoy, Ship Ahoy. You got to tote that bell. They penned another song that we're going to look at this morning, but trying to change the lyrics. It says that Christmas just ain't Christmas. Without the one you love. And as we would begin to sing the song in the field, and we, we begin to think about uh, our little girlfriends, and, and like we know anything about love, but we think about it, and even when I got a little bit older and was able to drive and, and uh, started dating my wife now, and I, I couldn't, couldn't go by and see my wife when we first started dating because. She was not of age, and her daddy wasn't having none of that. So we kind of sneak around at school, hang out around the gym during break time. Amen. 
Steal me a little sugar every now and then. Yes, Lord. And I remember the song, it began to have a little meaning to me when, 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 when I couldn't be with my, my girlfriend at, back then. And, and the song says, underneath the mistletoe I saw a face all the glow last year this time. Going shopping with friends together, making vows never leave each other, never. It was a waste of time, says the OJs. They went on to pen the song and they went on to talk about how that uh, 12 o'clock and all is well and I was doing oh so well last year this time because by then uh, Eddie LeVert had gotten with his loved one and they were together. But he began on to get on the right and he said, going shopping for presents together, making vows never to leave each other, never. And he ends it up and says, it was a waste of time. And then at the end of the chorus, he says, I'm going to be lonely. Oh, no, I'm going to be lonely. But this morning, we want to look at the fact of Scripture. And the truth of the word will tell us that it doesn't matter who is not with you. What matters is the one that loves you. Because you will find, my brothers and sisters, that sometimes you get into a relationship and the Bible says, put not your trust in man. And sometimes the one that you're in a relationship with, they can let you down. Matter of fact, some of you are going to be disappointed Christmas morning when you wake up. Amen. You're going to run and look under the Christmas tree. If you have one up, you're not going to have what you thought you were getting for Christmas. And as a result, you may be disappointed. But I want to encourage you this morning and let you know that if you have the one that loves you, then you have what the Christmas tree can't provide. If you have the one that, 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 that died for you, then you'll have on the inside of you all that you need in order to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You'll be able to sing all by yourself that this is the season to be jolly. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. But for some of you, you, you don't realize that you're pushing your trust in everything else but the one that loved you. But I'm glad this morning that I realized that if I don't get anything for Christmas, I already got what I need down on the inside of me. Do I have a witness this morning? We find that John, he, he penned this letter and he, he wrote this letter. He said, these things have I written unto you in chapter 1 that you might have joy. So John wants his readers to have joy. Not only that, but John, he, he pens this letter and he wants to let them know about the one who loved them first. When we look at the text, you will find that John, he writes, and you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be that that I left my glasses, so I'm trying to, trying to make do with these. And so don't y'all laugh at me. I told y'all not to laugh. So he writes in chapter one, chapter four, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. He says, many false prophets 
have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So my brothers and sisters, this is the season that is characterized by giving. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So even in the text this morning, we can get a definition of Christmas. And you can share with your friends and loved ones who don't know the true meaning of Christmas. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says that, confess that Jesus Christ has what? Has come in the flesh. So the, the Christmas is when Christ came in the flesh. Christmas is a time of celebration. But notice uh, also in verse 9, uh, why he came. He says, he, he says his only begotten son, the end of verse 9, into the world that we might live through him. So he came that we might live through him. Not only that. But he sent his only begotten son, not only that we might live, but look at verse 10. 10Z. 10 says, he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So he sent his son that we might live. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Well, preacher, what does propitiation mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. It comes from the Greek word hilasmos. Hilasmos means the appeasing of God's wrath that is due to sin. So the appeasing of God's wrath are an atonement for our sin. So uh, he, he sent forth his son that his son might atone for our sin so that we can be forgiven. Not only that, in verse uh, 14, we find, and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son as the savior of the world. So look, just in these verses alone, Jesus came that we might live. So Christmas ain't Christmas if I'm not living. Are you with me? Well, preacher, I'm walking around. Well, you be maybe walking around, but you like the show. You're the walking dead. Because without Christ, you are not living. Not only did he send him that we might live, but he sent him that we might receive forgiveness of our sin. Not only that, but that not only we have forgiveness of sin, but also he sent him to be the savior of the world. So Jesus is, is not just a, a baby that we celebrate in the manger. But Jesus is the savior of the world. At one time, I could not catarizzo. Uh, means I could not celebrate Christmas appropriately. As I was telling you about uh, when I was still a teenager and my wife and I was, when I was trying to date my wife, but then I went off to college and, and then I, I got grown, young people. How, how many of y'all young people did like me went off to college and you got grown? You don't have to answer that. I know you did. So I, I, I find myself then, I, I, I learned because of my association how to, to celebrate Christmas. I learned how to celebrate Christmas according to uh, the way that, that those I, that I was associating with were celebrating Christmas. And so it, it's like First First Peter chapter 4 uh, verse 3 would say, 
It says, uh, for the time past of our life may suffice us uh, to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, walking in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, backwardings, and abominable idolatries. Well, what is all that? The word lascivious means uh, unbridled lust. Uh, the word lust, it means, uh, from, from the Greek, it means a longing for what is forbidden. How many of you want what's forbidden? How many of you looking at somebody else's spouse? Uh-oh. How many of you looking at somebody else's girlfriend or boyfriend, young folk? But that don't apply to me, preacher. I'm too young. If it's forbidden, I heard uh, at, at the uh, homegoing service yesterday, I heard them celebrating, and it said that the preacher said this, and I'm going to steal his words. He said, how many of you have made contact before the contract? I thought that was right to the point. Never heard it before, but I'll add that to my repertoire. You made you making contact before the contract. In other words, you're having, you get involved with sexual immorality and you don't have a marriage license. Amen. But we, we gave my son a reception for the folk that knew him here in middle Georgia and his, his church family here. And, and uh, when he was, when he was uh, dating his, his, his current wife and, and, uh, she came one time to visit, and she was like following Marty track for track. And when he was going back to his bedroom, and, and uh, she was just h- hanging on to him, going back to him, my wife said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> she, she says, y'all ain't married yet. You can't, you can't go. You can't go back there. <laughs> so they came, and they was here for Thanksgiving, and, and she was following Marty track for track again. And she was going back in the bedroom. My wife said, no, 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 you can't go there. She said, I'm just kidding. She said, I'm just kidding. So. See, they're married now, so she can go wherever he goes. Amen. And they can do whatever they do together because they have a contract. Because they are in covenant. Amen. It's a good thing to be in covenant, young folk. And if you're outside of the covenant, then it's a good thing to come and confess your faults one to another and pray for what, you know, and the Spirit lead me to go here. I, when I was released from uh, drug treatment, and I had been in treatment for 28 days, and one of the things my sponsor shared with me, he says, you need to go back to your church family. And you need to, as, and Grandmama used to say, put it this way, you need to beg the church pardon. In other words, he was telling me, he said, look, you may be ashamed of what you did. You may be ashamed of that, but you need to go and confess it before the church. I said, why do I have to go and confess it before the church? He says, I don't know why you're ashamed. Your name is already in the paper. Everybody already know. He said, but what it does is when you confess it before the church, you take away the enemy's ammunition. Amen. Because the scripture says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and have cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
The scripture says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Amen. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Some of us are walking around with a cloud over our head because what we think people already know. Well, if you will confess that thing, you take the power from the enemy and you come out of the closet and then you come face to face and you agree with God. And when you confess it, then folk don't have nothing else to talk about. Amen. They'll get on the phone. Do you know Dumba? He, he, he had a DUI. Yes, sister, I already know he, he, he was at church, son, and he already confessed that thing to us. If you had been there, you'd have heard it. So we find then that Christmas just ain't Christmas without the one who loved us. Well, who is the one who loved us? Look at 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we say If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. So notice, God is love. And notice the scripture says, if we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him. And he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. But now a lot of us, we can't get with the one who loved us first, because we don't know who he is. A third grader asked uh, their teacher the other day, according to the story, Miss Gilbert, what does God look like? And Miss Gilbert began to try to formulate an answer in her mind. But then relying on her background, which was a a background of truth and not error, Miss Gilbert, she had to go to the word of God. And she told her her students, she said, Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Miss Gilbert had to paint the picture for this third grader that Jesus is the picture of God. And not only that, you will find that some of us have a skewed perspective of God because of our skewed perspective of Jesus. What do I mean? I mean that you don't, you don't believe that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. You don't believe according to what the word says. So the question is, who is Jesus to you? Is Jesus to you what the Mormons teach? They try to make Jesus the half-brother of Lucifer. Are you to Jesus, Jesus to you what the Jehovah Witness teach? They try to make Jesus Michael the Archangel. Are you to Jesus what the Buddhists believe? The Buddhists believe, they contend, that there is no need for a Savior. They say it because self is all I need. And what I need to say to save me is within self. They also teach that 
All you have to do is find enlightenment or nirvana. Well, that's kind of strange because their own founder, Buddhist, Buddha, history says that Buddha was married and he had a wife that was pregnant and she had three kids. And history says that Buddha left his, wife, his pregnant wife and three kids trying to find nirvana or enlightenment. Now, how could he guide me if he left his own wife trying to find nirvana? Islam teaches they believe in the virgin birth, believe it or not, according to the Islam guide in uh, Quran 3, 45. They believe that Jesus was created from the dust like Adam was. They believe that Jesus was not crucified. So that believing just in the virgin birth, but not believing in the crucifixion of Jesus and him being raised from the dead still can't save you. Do I have a witness? But my Bible tells me that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The Bible says all things were made by him. And there was not anything that was created that was not created by him. Hebrews says at sundry times and in diverse manners, God spoke to us by the father by the prophets. But in the last days, he spoke to us by his son, Jesus, whom he has he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also the worlds were framed, who being the brightness of his glory, the expressed image of his person, who upholdeth all things by the word of his power, and when he had himself purged our sin, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Having been given a name more excellent than the angels, who by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So it's at the name of Jesus that every knee one day will have to bow and every tongue one day will have to confess that Jesus Christ, he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isaiah put it this way, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear forth a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. He goes on to say in chapter 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government there shall be no end. That's who Jesus is. Brother Heaven will tell you, he's not just a man. He's the Lion of Judah. He's the Savior and Ruler. He's the Bread of Heaven that came down. Do you know him today? Do you have the one that loved you? If you do, then Christmas can be Christmas. Because you have the one that loved you. But I'm afraid that some of you may be a little bit deceived. Some of you may think you have him when truly you don't have him. Uh, going out to the prison uh, 
I've met several several brothers and go out on Thursdays and we go we're gonna be going first Tuesday, Lord's willing. We've noticed that there was some that even come to church and have a tattooed teardrop under their eye. And many of you may not know it, but uh, that's a that's symbolic uh, of of a gang member that has have, had killed someone, and they wear it uh, like a badge of honor, and it, it's it's a it's the it, it's an outward sign. That they that they belong to uh, a particular group of folk. Right. Uh, it, it's an outward sign uh, to let other folk know. Look, uh, uh, I'm not afraid and I'm not ashamed. And just like I took this one guy out, I'll, I'll take you out too, uh, for the most part. And but but so that, so so the test for for the gang that particular gang member. The test was uh, for them to take take a life. And when they took a life, they passed the test and they were initiated into the game. You'll find, though, that in, in Christendom, uh, there, there are some tests that we can take. Matter of fact, I want to give you an exam this morning. First, the first test is the birth test. First John chapter 5, verse 1 says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. Well, what's up with all the begottens? Essentially, what that verse is saying is that if you believe, uh, uh, if you put your trust that Jesus is the Messiah, you are born again. And, and, and it says that everyone who loves him, if you love him, that means you got to love all those that are in the family. Amen. It's kind of like a, a sibling rivalry. My, my brother and my sister, when we were growing all up, we, we always had this thing against each other uh, in, in, in a family way. And sometimes uh, my brother and I, we would gang up on our sister. And, you know, we would be kind of mean to her. You know, our young folks, I shouldn't, probably shouldn't have did it, but, we, you know, we did it. But, 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 but you know, we love each other now. We love each other now, but... But but uh, but what I'm saying is, you 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 can have sibling rivalry. But but the thing about it is, uh, we we could do it while my mother and my father was not at home, because if my father ever got home, and if there was any ruckus between us, my father he would separate the right from the wrong. He didn't, he didn't just take my word for it because I was the oldest or didn't take my brother's word for it because he was the youngest, but he beat everything in the house. He said, if I get all y'all, then I get the right one. Some of us need to start with beating everything in the house because children will put you, put you the, the, the father against the, 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 the mother and the, the, another child against another child. But if you, if you get all of them, you'll get the right one. You don't, you won't show any favoritism that way. So not only do we have the birth test, but we have the life test. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. So, and we see that, that there is life in the Son. And then in verse, verse 17, there is the, 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 the fruit test. But notice also, how do we know that we are in the family and we love? He says that we know that we have loved the, one another if we have loved the love of God we love one another. 
says, whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And in verse 16, and we know and have and we have known and believe that the love of, that God had for us, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And we know and we have passed from death unto life if we love the brethren. So notice then our our badge of honor from passing from death unto life if we love the brethren. So you who say you've been born again, but you hate your brother. Are you in, in New Piney Grove and you, you can't speak to one another because you're still holding on to something that you heard somebody said about you? Or you may be even holding on to some for, for somebody in leadership. Well, how can you say you love God whom you have not seen when you hate me who you see every day? Are you still passing the test? The litmus test. We find in this the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent his only begotten son to the world. That we might live through him. So if you're born again. Then you have the love of God in you. Well preacher how do I know? I've seen, I've heard the test, but let me ask you this. Can you look at your life? Can you see any fruit being manifested in your life? Can you see any love and can you see any joy and can you see peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and meekness and self-control? Can you see that being manifested in your life? Well, if you don't have that, then you probably don't have the Holy Ghost. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit or the Haggai's Numa, that means you hadn't been born from above. And if you hadn't been born from above, then Christmas just would not be Christmas for you this year. But there is good news as I come to a close. As I was sharing, my wife and I were sharing uh, with, with Sister uh, Samuel, I believe is how you pronounce it, this morning. A very simple illustration God gave me. For those of you that have not been born from above. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 5 verse 11 says. And, and this is the testimony. That God has given us eternal life. So if this represents eternal life. Do I have eternal life written on it? You can clearly see. Or maybe not. But it's written there. And John says in this life. Eternal life. This envelope represents the word that was manifested in the flesh. Represents Jesus. It says eternal life is in the Son. So if eternal life is in the Son, John says, He who had the Son has life. He who has not the Son does not have life. And folk ask you, well, how do you know that you're going to heaven? Ain't you, ain't you just trying to make it in? What John tells me in 1 John chapter 5, he says, These things have I written unto you, who believe in the name of the only begotten Son, that you might know, that you might know, that you might know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe 
in his name. So you just can't make a decision today and then next week you stop believing. We're not looking for decisions. We're looking for disciples. Everybody to make a decision don't end up being a disciple. Because the seed don't fall on good ground all the time. Sometimes the thorns come in. The thorns grow up and choke the word of God out. The deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this life. It, it grows up and chokes out the word of God and it becomes unfruitful. So if you have Jesus, you have eternal life. So this morning, as you stand to your feet, I'm done. You may be wondering if you have eternal life. Well, it's a good day and a good time to get it settled. Because it's just as sure as he was born in a lowly manger. The Bible says that he grew up in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. The Bible says that about 33 years old when it came time for him to transition. Scripture says that he had prayer in the upper room and he kept the Lord's, he instituted the Lord's Supper by keeping the Passover. And Scripture says that after the Passover he went out to the Garden of Gethsemane and there he prayed with great drops of blood. And he said, Father, if it be any way possible for this cup to pass from me. And then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And they took him. Judas betrayed him with a kiss. They marched him from hall to hall. And the scripture says he went out and walked the Via Della Rosa. He walked the road of suffering. Had the old rugged cross on his shoulders. And when he got to that old hill called Calvary. The Bible says that they hung him high and they stretched him wide. Scripture says that he hung his head in the locks of his shoulders and for there, for me and you, he died. They took him off that old rugged cross, laid him in Joseph Barrett's tomb. But my Bible tells me that early resurrection morning, he got up with all power in his hands. That same power that got Jesus up from the grave is the same power that's able to keep you during Christmas and you don't have to be alone during Christmas if you have the one that died for your own Calvary's cross and then Christmas can be Christmas because you have the one that loves you so this morning if you need the one that loves you we're going to extend you an invitation to discipleship thanks for listening we pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.